Hello everyone, it is the 14th of October and I'm joined today by Sheldon MacDonald, Seamus Lyons, Nathan Sweeney and Mayank Markende. The US presidential election is now only a couple of weeks away and the challenger, Joe Biden, remains ahead in the polls. Unusually, this time around, the election result might not hold centre stage as far as the markets are concerned. The COVID-19 pandemic has thrown the world's economies into such a state of uncertainty that another huge stimulus package, or indeed the discovery of a reliable vaccine, could push the election winner out of the spotlight. Today, though, we'll discuss what happens after a Trump or Biden win and whether COVID-19 could, in fact, continue to drive the financial markets agenda. Sheldon, we don't have a crystal ball, but if you could outline where we are now, we could then move on to considering the market outcomes for either a Trump or a Biden win. Morning, Lorna. Thanks very much. Today, of course, the focus is going to be on the US, but of course, we do have to think about the wider impacts. We know that uh, the election result will impact for instance, the US-China trade negotiations that are ongoing. Uh, closer to home, uh, the UK is in the process of negotiating a trade deal with the US. What does it mean for global inflation? So very wide-reaching consequences for this election, which is why I guess it's being followed so closely. As you mentioned, in terms of scene setting, though, the polls do indicate that Biden is ahead. As we know, though, the polls have been wrong before. And this time, potentially more so uh, because of how divisive the choice of leader is this time. Perhaps shy voters have not been prepared to state their preferences clearly in their polls. So a word of caution on looking at the polls. We do look at the gambling odds. These also point to a Biden victory at the moment. And it's now the widest margin since the campaigning began earlier this year. But of course, also we know about US elections that they can very much come down to swing states. At the moment, people are speaking about just six swing states might change the campaigns. So there could yet be a surprise in store for us. In the meantime, though, markets definitely coming to grips with the prospect of a, a Biden victory and indeed a, the potential for a blue wave in which the Democrats win all of the White House, the House of Congress and the Senate. The prospects uh, had initially been that this might not be the best thing for markets in terms of higher taxes and regulations. We'll discuss this in a second. But of course, markets prefer certainty and markets at the moment seem to come around to the view that the certainty of a blue wave is a, a better prospect than potentially a contested or delayed outcome. So lots to speak about, lots to think about and lots to impact markets going ahead. That was very useful. Thank you. If we could turn to Seamus and Nathan now and the US equity markets. Seamus, Sheldon has indicated this rising chance of a Biden victory. And typically, a Democrat in the White House is not seen as the best news for equities. But markets have been firm in the last few weeks. Could you clarify these recent moves for us a bit more? Hi, Lorna. Thanks. Yeah, indeed, markets have been quite strong in recent weeks. And that's following a wobble as well that we had in early September. Um, it seems to be very much to do with the increasing certainty of the election outcome, specifically this blue wave that Sheldon has alluded to. History generally shows that when a new president is voted in, a similar shift also occurs in Congress. So if Biden is indeed elected, as polls are suggesting, and also the Senate swings to a Democrat majority, well then Biden and the Democrats should have a much easier time in getting their agenda into legislation. And obviously a key part of this agenda is a large fiscal package, which should support the continued recovery in economic growth. 
Democrats, they've made very little secret that they would back an even bigger spending bill than the one they've they've talked about recently. So 2.2 trillion is what was being talked about out there. But actually, if you go back to May, that number is closer to 3 trillion. So hence, a blue wave has been a very important driver of markets, knowing how important this fiscal stimulus package is. So would you then see any further sexual rotation from here in the event of a Biden win? Yeah, sure. Markets have begun to price in a Democrat clean sweep in the upcoming election. But, you know, this is not a foregone conclusion because when it comes to Trump, anything can happen. And even if Biden is elected, the Republicans may well maintain control of the Senate. And that will not make Biden's job any easier. And markets will not like this either, considering how much they've kind of ran in the last few weeks based on what they think would be a clean sweep. But more generally, assuming that this blue wave does play out and Democrats have complete control, this indeed has implications on specific areas of the markets. So firstly, we might see a change in market leadership. Um, The market has been very narrowly led by large cap growth stocks this year, the FANGs in particular. And so we should probably see a more uh, cyclical or value stocks begin to do better on the back of a change here. The large fiscal package expected in 2021 that would support a mid-cycle reboot and it would enhance the prospects of, of industrials, commodities, financials, areas of the markets which have lagged quite a lot in the recovery so far. Small caps, some domestically oriented companies as well might do better in light of more support from, from this fiscal package. And conversely as well, the prospect of increased regulation on big tech will come more to the fore under Democrat administration as well. This might well weigh more heavily on the fangs and other large tech companies, uh, which have done so well from the market in recent years. And maybe just a quick word on international markets as well. So obviously, Biden is obviously likely to take a more calmer approach to geopolitics. And so I'd expect as well companies exposed to this US-China trade tensions to probably see a bit of a boost there afterwards. And even you know, regions like Europe or Japan as well, unlikely to face under the Trump administration. Yes, it's useful to see that in a broader context. But Back to the US just for a moment, and and Joe Biden has talked quite extensively about a a $2 trillion stimulus package, a lot of which was aimed at sustainability in the broad sense. Have we seen this reflected in the ESG sector? Yes, well, first of all, ESG has done very well in 2020 anyway. It's, It's been a strong part of the market. But a key message of Biden's campaign has been a push towards green or clean energy with the aim of achieving uh, net zero carbon emissions by, by 2050. So I'd expect the likes of solar panel manufacturers, battery developers, home builders, they'll all have a part to play in his plans. And of course, there will also be ramifications for traditional fossil fuel companies as well. These have been well protected under the Trump administration, but you'd expect them to face a much more difficult environment under Biden. Another thing Biden has talked a lot about was that just tax incentives and government purchases and other measures to help electronic vehicles. So Tesla is obviously a big name here. It's had a mammoth run in terms of its stock price this year and recent years. But, you know, under Biden presidency, there's probably more fuel for that to run as well. And another, the last part I was going to mention that was that on infrastructure, obviously, he has a big fiscal package. This should really help out the infrastructure side. So a big package of spending here probably boosts a lot of the engineering and construction companies as well. So broad swaths of sectors should benefit from Biden's campaign promises. That is interesting because a much broader market leadership could actually result from a Biden victory there. Nathan, the leader in the polls is not always the winner of the election, as we saw very memorably in 2016. That's very true, Lorna. In 2016, with 20 days to go to the election, Clinton had a 6.2% lead. Biden's lead is currently 10% with 20 days to go, so slightly more. But I think what this does is it highlights that it's not impossible for Trump 
to retain his presidency for another term. That's interesting. So how do you think the equity markets would respond to a clear Trump win? Yeah, so I think if we think about Donald Trump, he's definitely styled himself as a business-friendly president. So if you think about what he's done over the last four years, he's implemented a range of pro-business policies, including corporation tax cuts. So cutting corporation tax from 35% to 21%. And he's also reduced regulation across a host of industries, agriculture, autos, financial sectors. So largely, it's expected that you know this kind of pro-business-friendly stance will be actually quite quite good for equities. And you're likely to see further tax cuts and deregulation. However, on the flip side of that, we all know that Donald Trump's hallmark over the last four years has been global trade. And this has created a lot of volatility in markets, as there's been a lot of conflict with different regions, particularly China on the trade front. So that could be bad for equities within Asia and emerging markets if he was to continue along that vein. And it's expected that he would. That's true. So business friendly for US business, but not so much on global trade. So really, you'd expect more of the same. Yeah, I think it pretty much is more of the same. And, you know, one of the things that markets obviously have to watch out for is that, you know, they have been caught off guard a lot by Trump because he likes to use social media to respond quite quickly and rapidly to current events or to announce new policies. And when he tended to do that, it's, you know, usually resulted in volatility in risk assets, particularly equities. So I think the markets should expect more of the same, really. Yes, and always the ability to surprise there. Mayank, if we could turn to the US bond markets, both Trump and Biden are promising these huge fiscal spending packages in order to boost the recovery. Which contender would the bond markets prefer to see as the winner, do you think? I would probably have my money on Trump. A Trump victory would mean continued volatility in markets, especially on the geopolitics front. That will mean that there's going to be a continued bid for safe haven assets. And in that environment, Trump is likely to, in that market rather, government bonds are likely to continue to do well. Additionally, in terms of the size of stimulus under a Biden victory, expected to have a bigger stimulus package which means that could potentially translate into a inflationary environment down the line, which is typically not good for government bond yields, especially at the longer end of the curve. Also, it means that a lot of that stimulus will need to be funded from issuing long-term bonds. So from a technical perspective, we could expect to see a higher level of bond issuance under, under Biden versus Trump, which could mean that bonds may not do as well. Indeed, those are quite divergent responses there. And as you said, clear implications for US interest rates and indeed then the US dollar. What are your thoughts on the world's reserve currency now? Again, yeah, similar to the bond markets. A US dollar, I would say the most bearish scenario for the US dollar, probably likely to be a Biden victory. And the reason I say that is that a Biden victory would remove one of the big risks off the table, which is geopolitics. And that will be positive for Asian currencies and emerging market currencies in general, which means that the dollar is probably likely to be weaker. On the other hand, a Biden victory also means a bigger size of a fiscal stimulus, which could down the line translate into potentially high inflation, which can down the line translate into higher real rates, which could uh, provide a positive bid for the US dollar actually over the slightly more medium term. So I would say the initial reaction to a Biden victory is probably going to be bearish for the US dollar, but over the medium term, the dollar could actually end up doing quite well. And that always has implications for the commodity markets, doesn't it? Yeah, so all commodities are obviously uh, priced in dollars. So a weaker dollar is generally good for commodities and vice versa. 
In terms of the view on commodities, gold and the precious metals complex has obviously provided a, a very effective hedging instrument. But um, you know, going forward, given where we are in terms of price of gold, it is less clear what gold and precious metals in general will do. But my base case scenario is a, a Trump victory is actually not priced in, into the markets currently, if you look at the betting odds, and it is probably the more riskier scenario for global markets, which would mean uh, you know, safe haven assets such as gold will do well. Broadening that out to other commodities, for example, the energy complex that has been slightly less dependent on what's, what's been happening on the overall Geopolitics or even U.S. election front, more being driven by supply and demand. And you know, supply is obviously being reduced uh, markedly in March and April based on the cuts uh, enforced by OPEC. But since then, as demand has improved and we've seen some slightly better progress in COVID, we've seen more supply coming onto the market and the you know, rig count increasing. However, the risk is that as we're going into Q4 and we're going into the winter months, we're going to have a wave two, and arguably we're already in a wave two, and that means weakening demand. And at the same time, we're seeing slightly higher supply. So that could be negative for the broader commodity complex, especially energy and crude oil sectors. Yes, often dancing to their own tune. Nathan, I think you had something to add there. Just to add a point on oil, we all know Trump has made no secret of his support for the US oil and gas industry. He's removed the Environmental Protection Agency's clean power plan, reduced the rates paid by companies to drill on public land, and even formally agreed to withdraw the US from the 2015 Paris Agreement on Climate Change. So a Trump victory is likely to be quite positive for oil companies, specifically those in the US. Seamus, we said there's no crystal ball at the beginning. So how have we adapted our tactical asset allocation in the face of this classic binomial event? We've actually recently introduced a defensive bias in our market views. You know, you've seen some very strong market performance since the lows in March. But we're beginning to see a bit of a, an uptick in volatility in recent weeks, a bit of a shakeout in early September, a bit stronger in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, for us, there are a growing number of risks in the market and the catalysts to support further market appreciation, they're less clear. So maybe, you know, a couple of points, a couple of risks that we see. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about US politics today and the market is pricing in an outcome, but there still remains a lot of uncertainty. And until the election has actually passed and we have a bit more clarity, you know, markets may well remain nervous. Another point is monetary stimulus. We saw a lot of that back in Q2 and throughout the summer as the Fed and ECB supported markets, but they've almost used up most of their ammunition. So there's not much left there to provide further support to markets if needed. Also, you know, we've seen a recent acceleration of COVID cases globally, and this is increasing the possibility of further lockdowns or measures to contain the virus. So, and also, you know, we've the addition, the onset now of, um, of cooler weather and the impact of seasonal flu. And these behaviours, you know, they have the potential to complicate investor behaviour and confidence even more. You know, the, the macro picture has been improving, but we are beginning to see a slight moderation in that as well. And so there is a growing risk of interruption to this kind of recovery trend. Uh, and that's why fiscal stimulus is so important, because, that, you know, for that recovery to continue, we probably need to see a bit more fiscal stimulus to come. And that is a key focus for the market. Obviously, the discovery of a vaccine will be a very strong positive for markets. But the reality is, you know, it's going to take a long period of time before any vaccine is widely available to the mass public. And this leaves you know, a considerable period for further waves of the virus before then. And that's obviously can lead to further market volatility as well. So in view of these risks, we've actually gone underweight equities and taken profits in our US and European allocations. 
But we're not completely off risk either. I mean, we have a barbell approach where we still like and we overweight the spread asset classes such as high yield, emerging market debt and investment grade credit. We feel that any market sell-off would be more pronounced in equities and these spread asset classes, they offer better risk reward because they're better positioned to benefit more directly from monetary stimulus that's coming from the Fed and the ECB. Also, the carry on these asset classes, high yield and E&D in particular, remains very attractive and provides a good offset to our defensive posture in equities. And then in terms of where we'd allocate equity underweight, we prefer just to leave it in cash. We think bond yields globally are very, very low. And so upside there is, is more limited. So we'd prefer to remain neutral on duration. So that broadly speaking is, is our views, a bit more defensive than we have been for a while. That was very helpful. Thank you. Sheldon, if we could end with you then, of course, COVID-19 is still very much at large. And with all the uncertainty that brings, perhaps this time there, there are more than two or what we've just called a binomial outcomes to this election season. Could you please summarise our discussion and what we should be aware of as we enter these final months of what's been an all too eventful year? certainly has been eventful and uh, yeah, the year's not finished yet. As we've discussed, this election clearly has the potential to have quite a large impact on regions, on sectors, on asset classes. We've discussed an outcome supporting Biden, being supportive for equities, but less so for bonds and the dollar. Trump, the riskier of the two candidates, perhaps providing support for bonds for the US dollar. Perhaps the, the nightmare scenario for markets would be a contested result, um, and Trump perhaps already laying some of the groundwork, protesting about postal votes. So the groundwork for a potential challenge there. You mentioned COVID, that obviously is playing out in the background, big global economic impact potentially from that as well. The US-China negotiations, they're pretty much on pause at the moment, really, uh, waiting to see developments. And then, as I mentioned earlier, closer to home, we've got Brexit. So a number of risks still playing out in the background on top of the binomial event of the outcome for the election. Markets don't like uncertainty at the moment. They do seem to be pricing in a certain degree of certainty. They do seem to appear to be believing in the uh, the likelihood of a Biden victory and the potential for a blue wave and the fiscal support that, that brings. So markets at the moment seem to be pricing that in. But as we saw in the last election, things can change very quickly and at a very late date. So watch the space. Watch this space indeed. And thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you, Lorna.